May God bless us this morning by His Word, through His Spirit, that we might internalize what He has to say to us this morning and always. Amen. Howdy. Well, uh, good to be able to see you all this morning. Apparently this last week, a bunch of people have been getting sick. Uh, there's a Saharan dust that's been coming along. And yeah, it's like migraines and all sorts of nausea and everything else. So if you have not been feeling well this last week, it is not in your head. It's actually in your air. So uh, just uh, hopefully this next week will kind of clear up a little bit, but we shall see. Well, talking this morning, um, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about what it is to separate things. And a lot of what I grew up thinking about as far as separating things was when I collected baseball cards as a kid. Wait, it, did y'all collect baseball cards a, 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 as a kid? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, the thing is, is that, honestly, I was a terrible baseball fan. I, I have absolutely no idea whose stats are doing what whatsoever, but my OCD loved baseball cards. And you had to keep them in perfect condition, and for years I made sure that I kept these cards in perfect condition because from about 1987 to 1992, I was about 7 to 12 years old, you can do the math, um, I was collecting all these cards, and I have thousands of them sitting in these bins in my closet. And so finally... I was like, you know what? I'm going to go find out how much they're worth, of course. You know, it's like I'd heard all the stories and everything, you know, rookie cards and all-star cards and things that are in mint condition. And so I took them over and they said, oh, uh, really, which years were you collecting in baseball cards? Oh, well, when I was a kid from 1987 to, to 1992. And they said, oh, okay, because those are the exact years that they glutted the market with so many baseball cards that absolutely none of them are worth anything today. So I have a big tub of, uh, of kindling, apparently, and uh, so they are just sitting there as I can't quite bring myself to do anything other than just leave them exactly where they're at. The thing is, is that as much as I was sorting out all these cards to try to make sure I had the best ones pulled out and all of them in order, and yet at the end of the day, it was like, yeah, but what do I even have worth it from all of it? And that, in many ways, comes to this idea of the parable of the wheat and the weeds. See, in many ways, is that we are trying to understand why it is that this parable about sorting ends up being so important. It's sort of like how you could go in there and you could try to pull out the Skittles that you like the best flavor of, okay? Or like me, you can make sure that you have the exact same number of all of them, make sure you eat the extras, and then take one of each and make sure you eat them all at the same time so you can taste the entire rainbow all at once. And then you end up having someone who says, oh yeah, well I like the different flavors of M&Ms. And you're like, I'm pretty sure they're all the same flavor. I have absolutely no idea what you're thinking, but that's okay to each their own. And if there are some of you that think the M&Ms have different flavors, well, God bless you. Okay. The thing is, is though, with the wheat and the weeds, I have a hard time at first because as I showed you all last week, I am absolutely terrible at gardening. Okay. This is definitely not my forte. And so if uh, uh, Deborah is out there and hears that, uh, please still give me a nectarine tree. I'm, I'm so sorry. I'll do better. Um, but with it, though, is... 
one of the things that stood out to me was a story I heard a few years back. It was about ergot and ergotism. I don't know, has anybody heard of this previously? It's a theory that throughout history, whenever there are stories of people who went through crazy hallucinations, mass hysteria, or even signs that may have looked like epilepsy, convulsions and the like, is that it may have actually been ergot. And what it is is that whenever wheat grows in an area that's cool and moist, there's a fungus that can actually grow in, eat away at the kernels of the wheat, and creates a fungus that actually has the same shape as the wheat itself. And if you're not careful, when you are gathering wheat to make bread, you might actually be gathering ergot, a fungus that creates symptoms like the drug LSD. And so there is a theory that the Salem witch trials were actually a result of people who had consumed bread made of this fungus, went through these terrible symptoms, and then were seen as potentially having a demon. It's not proven, it's a theory, but at the same time, there have been other examples in history that have actually had examples of this happening. And the thing is, is that when you hear stuff like this, and you find out that there's a parable about wheat and things that are within it that should not be there, the automatic reaction is, well, get rid of it. Whatever is there that shouldn't be there, get it out. And the thing is, is that Jesus specifically wants to tell this parable because he can see that his disciples are discouraged. Could you imagine being Jesus' disciples and you've seen not only what Jesus has done, but also what he has said? Good things. All of these are good things. And yet, so many places that they went, they were met with antagonism and people attacking and wanting to do anything they could that, to get in the way. How discouraging would it be to see the potential fields of harvest and yet to know that there were so many out there trying to get in the way. And that can be so discouraging, and not just for them, but it can also be discouraging for us as well. I, I, I mean, I, I'm sure that in your own lives, there have been many times where you're trying to do what you know to be good and right, and yet you keep hitting a wall, and you don't know why. I, I know that as pastors we go through it. I know Pastor Tyler's gone through it. I know that myself I've gone through it. And I know that at times it's like you're just trying to do what you're meant to be doing. And you don't know why, but there just seem to be so many discouraging things that want to try to pull it down. The thing with this is that trying to provide this encouragement, it's hard today. The thing is, is that it is very difficult to do in today's world, but also in today's church, what we took for granted in decades past. There can be times where all we had to do was just say, hey, we are doing this event or we are working on this project, and immediately you would find plenty of people to be a part of it. But in today's world, it's like you're having to convince people to do things that are good and blessed and that somehow spread the kingdom. It's like we have to have all of our uh, marketers just to convince us 
to do what we're supposed to be doing. Thanks be to God for them because they know apparently stuff that I don't know because we were taught in seminary, go preach the word and it'll fix it all. Yeah, that doesn't seem to be working as easily in this world. And the same thing true for the disciples. Explaining this parable later, though, Jesus ends up kind of taking a a slightly different direction with it. You see, when he originally explains it to them, he's talking to the disciples as they are looking at the crowds. They're looking at the discouragement. But when they they go off by themselves, then Jesus kind of tweaks the focus a little bit. Not changing the words in any way, but refocuses them. Because at first, he's letting them know, you don't need to worry about sorting out anything. You don't need to try to worry about, did you figure out who the good ones were or who the bad ones were? You, did not, you do not need to spend your time trying to figure out who, is, who are the weeds. The thing is, is that it's very tempting to look at the people and the circumstances around us and to try to figure out this is what causes trouble. That is what causes trouble. These are the ones who are truly not interested in the kingdom of God. It's very, very tempting to be able to do that. And Jesus is trying, because the trouble with it is we are not the ones who are supposed to be weeding out anything. Because what happens when we do? When we try to pull out the bad from the good, what do we usually end up doing? We end up destroying what is good as well. And that's one of the things that's so fascinating is that in the midst of our historical example is that at this time, whenever they were trying so hard to get rid of the witches in the area, is that they ended up destroying people whose lives were completely innocent, and then years later, we're still suffering the consequences of their example. How many times do we now have to deal with, well, you've got to worry about those Christians if they think that you're a witch and you don't know what they're going to end up doing to you. I mean, there's an entire Monty Python movie about it, so you've got to know that it's pretty popular at that point. The difficulty is that as much as we think we can somehow fix everything, whenever we think that we've figured out who the bad ones are, we either end up attacking those that we don't even realize that they needed us in the first place, or we end up creating an example for others that under, undermines the faith that we are trying to proclaim. That's the hard part about this. When we treat ourselves like the judges to go and to figure it all out, we end up making it even worse. And that's the hard part about this. As we want to look at the fields and figure out how to fix it all is that that is not what the job is at this point. The job right now is to just keep growing and to still keep feeding the fields. As much as it is frustrating at times to be fertilizing and watering and taking care of that field where you know 
that there are a bunch of these weeds out there that you really wish weren't there. At the same time, you still have to do it for the sake of the wheat. And that's the thing, is that we, as Christians, constantly get frustrated. That we see so many times where we're trying to do what is good and right, and then it feels frustrated. The world doesn't get it. The media doesn't get it. The news doesn't get it. Our friends don't get it. The people that we know don't get it. And it feels like we did all of it for nothing. And yet God still calls us to this. And that's the thing about this, is that oftentimes we are then wondering, well, what about last week when it says about the plants that get choked out by the worries of this world? But notice that this parable doesn't include that. Because Jesus is trying to get across to us that dealing with the problems of this world are not actually going to destroy the wheat. None of the wheat gets lost. That's the whole point, is for none of the wheat to be lost. And that's the thing with this, is that oftentimes we get so disappointed when something doesn't go quite the way that we wanted it to. I, I, I tell you all stories from time to time about the epic failures that is my dating life. It's kind of funny to laugh about a little bit. Either that or you're crying about it, one or the other. I'm going to go with laughing. But truth be told is that as frustrating as it can be sometimes, I honestly don't think that I've actually missed out on finding my soulmate just yet. As much as it can be frustrating is that I don't think that any of it's actually gone the wrong way. I think that God actually did have a purpose in all of it. And that's the thing with it, is that the same thing with the wheat, is that as much as we get so frustrated at all the weeds, it doesn't change the fact that that harvest is still there. And that's a big piece of it, is that as much as we get frustrated that our efforts don't work out well, God knows what's happening later on. Because I can tell you, is that if my best efforts had been intended to go the direction I wanted them to, I would have moved to Oklahoma four years ago. And let me just tell you, there is no good reason to move to Oklahoma whatsoever. <laughs> but with it, though, what we end up doing with this parable oftentimes ends up leading in directions that we don't need to go. Do we need to be afraid of the weeds? No. Do we, do we like the weeds that are around us? Do we like the things that are discouraging and pull us away from God's kingdom and make it harder to follow after him? No, no, we, we don't enjoy those things at all. But are they going to stop us from growing in our faith? The only thing that ever stops us from growing is ourselves. And that's the thing about this, is that with all these frustrations that we meet with, uh, you know, where it feels like every day there's something else falling apart around us, whether it's our environment or our politics or what's happening with our economy or anything and everything else, is that it doesn't change the fact that we are still wheat growing. And sometimes we may be then worrying about whether or not this world is able to then end up choking out what's going on. But one of the things that strikes me is that everything that could discourage us is also another opportunity 
to show the love of Christ to more people. Because every time that we see either those who want nothing to do with God, who have their ideas about how to fix everything around them, or the ones who do say that they want to follow after God, but we see them pulling the wheat out with the weeds, and we know that that is not the example that they are meant to show from Christ. Both of those give us an opportunity to be exactly what we're meant to be and to live out what it is to be the wheat in the world. That's the hard part. Because sometimes we don't just want to pull out the obvious weeds. We're also afraid that maybe somewhere in that wheat there might be a fungus growing. The truth is is that as much as we wish that, well, if we accidentally pulled out a, a, a stalk of wheat, a grain of wheat, then that, that, that's totally an accident. How many times do we deliberately pull out someone else because we think that they are probably tainted themselves. See, the hard part is that being afraid of pulling out the wheat with the weeds is that sometimes it's because the very people themselves are like, I don't like this wheat. It doesn't look good to me. See, the thing is, is that we are not meant to go in and get rid of whatever or whomever we think is going to mess up our faith and our life. That's not our job. Our job is to help with the growth. Our job is not the reaping. Our job is to promote the harvest. Your job is not to try to figure out who are the broken ones, who are the ones who are going to make everything the worst possible. Our job is is to just continue to spread the seed and to help it to grow. And that's hard sometimes. But it's also the reality that we face. Because while this passage is not talking about converting wheat in, weeds into wheat or anything like that, I mean, they were not biologists back in the day, but I'm pretty sure they knew you couldn't do that. The truth is, is that we all in reality, start off as weeds. And if we've automatically given up on someone else because we think they're either they're broken beyond repair or that they were never good enough in the first place, not only does it mean that we didn't get what we received, we didn't really understand it, but it also means that nobody else gets to receive the same gift. But the truth is, is that we've probably done that already. Maybe ways that we didn't even realize that we had done it. The thing is, is that God still wants the harvest. And maybe, maybe there have been a few times when you've pulled someone out by the roots. But God hasn't given up on them yet. Maybe there are times when you've wanted to go out and just deal with something heavy-handed and be done with it. But God still wants that harvest. Because in reality, you're still out there in the fields. And God is doing everything to protect you as well. Because you're also going to struggle with those things. You are. And as much as, I, I mean, I like y'all. Y'all seem pretty nice indeed. I mean, Paul gives me a hard time from time to time, but the rest of y'all are okay. But besides that, is that the reality is that all of us are in that field. 
And we all need each other to protect us as well. But we also need to get out there and find out who else needs some support in a world that keeps trying to pull them up by the roots and destroy them. So let's, let's not worry about the last days and the judgment and what God will or won't do at that point because it's not even ours to do anyway. So let's get out there and let's promote the harvest. The only way that God has given us to do by planting seeds and helping it grow. Amen.